Just like it's forbidden to remove stones from one's field because it looks like he's preparing the ground to be planted, it's also forbidden to remove sticks and weeds for the same reason. However, because there are so many weeds and sticks in a field, you're allowed to take some of them because it won't immediately look like you're preparing the ground to be planted. So the Mishnah tells us that Boroshoina originally would say, that one is allowed to gather sticks and small stones and weeds or grass from his property, from his own field, in the same way as he, allow, as, as he is allowed to gather it from somebody else's field. Just like you're allowed to remove stones from somebody else's field, because it was uncommon for somebody to prepare somebody else's ground to be planted, so too you can remove sticks from somebody else's property. And if you're doing it from somebody else's property, then you can remove all of the sticks. But if you're doing it in your own property, then as a gas gas, you can only take the larger ones. So if you take the larger sticks and the larger grass, that would be permitted as long as you don't take the smaller ones as well. Because if you're only taking the larger ones, then it shows that you're not doing it in order to clear the ground, rather because you want the larger ones. Perhaps for firewood, or to feed the grass to animals. However, we're now going to see in the Mishnah that this was only the original halacha. But Mishirabu over Avera, once those who transgressed sins increased, and this refers to people who would gather all of the sticks, or most of the sticks from their field, and claim that they only gathered the large ones. So once people started abusing this rule, Hiskino, the Chachonim decreed, they instituted, that the one is only allowed to gather the sticks and the grass from somebody else's field, and somebody else could do it from his field, but one would not be able to gather any sticks from his own field. And the Mishnah adds that Shaloi Betoiva, it has to be without gratitude. Because if somebody is, let's say, taking the sticks away from somebody else's field, and the owner of that field then gives him something, or pays him for it, or even says that if you do this for me, then I'll do it for your field. If he says that, then you're far more likely to remove all of the sticks from his field. And therefore you're not allowed to accept anything, and the Mephoshim say you're not even allowed to accept a thank you. Because that may make you do better work, and remove more sticks. And if you can't say thank you, then it's needless to say, it's obvious that it's also forbidden to fix for them food, for the owner of the field to give them food while they're working, because again that's showing gratitude for doing it, and that will cause him to remove all of the sticks perhaps, which means that really the owner of the field is indirectly causing more sticks to be removed from his field, which is forbidden. Mr. Bates, if you are cool, there are five things which are forbidden with Arisa during Shemitah, five forms of work. However, Midrabonon, anything which improves the field, is also forbidden. And we're going to split these Midrabonon forbidden activities into two different categories in this Mishnah. One category is those forms of work, which although they're forbidden Midrabonon, if you do them, you're not punished and you can still benefit from that work which you did the next year. However, the second category is those forms of work, which if you do them, you are punished and you cannot benefit from them even in the year after Shemitah. So the mission tells us, Solution is Kavitsa, the field from which thorns were removed. We're referring to thorns which were already detached from the ground, but they were lying across the whole field, and he removed them from the field. So he's cleaning out the field, which was generally done in order to prepare the field for planting, so of course it's forbidden Majabon during Shemitah. However, because even once you've done this, the ground is not yet ready to be planted, all you've done is clean the field, 
but it's not yet ready to be planted, and therefore Tizarbamitsayushvias, you would be able to plant in that field in the year following Shemitah, because the forbidden form of work which you did didn't prepare the ground to be planted properly, because other things still had to be done. Now, if you actually detach the thorns from the ground, even though that, that does not make the ground ready to be planted, it's a more serious form of work, and therefore, according to many, you would be forbidden to plant that field in the next year. But the case of the Mishnah is where you cleared the field of the thorns, and forms of work like that, where you're not directly preparing the ground to be planted, it will be forbidden, it will be permitted to plant that field in the next year. However, Shinitaiva, if the field was ploughed very well, and Yerushalmi explains this case to be referring to a very specific situation, and that is when the authorities in the area imposed a tax on the fields and required that anybody who owned a field had to give part of the crop as a tax. Now, in, during Shemitah, if they didn't work the field at all, then they wouldn't be able to give the tax, and there was actually a danger to their lives in doing that. So in such a situation, it would be permitted to plough the field once, so that some things can grow, but if you were to plough the field again after that, a second time just to improve the field, that would be forbidden, and as we're going to see, you would not even be able to plant the field in the following year. Or if he made pens in his field, he made enclosures for the animals in his field, and in the previous parak we learnt that when animals are in the field in pens, then he has to pile up all the dung, all the fertiliser, he can't just leave it spread across the entire field. But if somebody did leave it spread across the entire field, then again, these two forms of work are much closer to the final product, as it were. They're later stages in the process of planting produce, and they literally prepare the ground or prepare the produce, and therefore, later Zorbamitsoshvius, you would not be able to plant that field in the following year after Shemitah. Now, the Mishnah is now going to go back to the case of Sodachinitaiva, a field which was ploughed very well during Shemitah, and it caused things to grow. It could be wild produce grew in the ground which was ploughed, it could be the ploughing caused fruit on a tree next to it to grow, but if that does occur, one would not be able to eat the produce of such a field during Shemitah itself. And the reason for Bishamai is because the Torah says that during Shemitah, anybody can eat produce of any land, and the Torah says, Ground which rests during Shemitah, produce of that land will be for you to eat. Which implies that only ground which was not worked, and forbidden activities were not done on that land, only that type of produce would you be able to eat. But if work was done on the field, then you would not be able to eat that produce during Shemitah. However, we saw them, we saw say, Eichlin, you can eat that produce, because the Apostle is just trying to tell you that you're allowed to eat produce during Shemitah, and that you have to let everybody else eat produce from your own field. Beis Hillel do not interpret the Pesach in the same way as Beis Shammai do. Now the truth is that even according to Beis Hillel, the owner of the field who actually did the work in the field would be forbidden to eat that produce during Shemitah. You're not allowed to benefit from an Aveira which you did, but the Machloikas here is not about a punishment for doing the work. The first half of the mission was discussing that. The argument here is regarding the status of produce which grew via forbidden way, but for other people. And that's got nothing to do with the punishment on the person who did the work. Now, one of the mitzvahs of Shmita is to make all of his produce ownerless. There's a discussion whether the person does it, or whether it automatically becomes hefka, just by the fact that it is Shmita. Be it as it may, because of this, 
one is not allowed to eat the produce of Shemitah from somebody else's pro- from somebody else's field with gratitude. You're not allowed to thank the owner of the field for that produce because it will make it look as if that person is not keeping the laws of Shemitah. It implies that he's actually keeping the produce for himself and that this is some sort of gift. But in reality, it's not a gift because it's actually free and ownerless. However, one is allowed to eat it whether with gratitude or not, and we're not concerned that it might look as if the person didn't allow it to become ownerless, that he's keeping it for himself, we're not concerned about that, and therefore you would be allowed to say thank you. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, The words are actually the opposite, meaning that Beishamah and Beishillel's opinions are it should actually be swapped. Which means that according to Rabbi Yehuda, it comes out that This would be one of the rare cases where Beishamah is more lenient and Beishillel are more strict. Because according to Yehuda, Beishillel will be the ones who do not allow you to say thank you. One is allowed to rent a ploughed field from non-Jews during Shemitah. And we're talking about an arrangement where somebody goes to a non-Jew, let's say, during Shemitah, and he arranges to rent his field from him at the beginning of the year after Shemitah, so the beginning of the eighth year. And the agreement is that he has to give it to him once it's ploughed, which means that in effect he's causing the non-Jew to plough his field. Nevertheless, it's still permitted, because of course the non-Jew is not obligated to keep the laws of Shemitah, and we don't look at it as if he's doing it for your set for you. You can't get a non-Jew to do work for you during Shemitah, which is forbidden for you to do. However, over here, we look at it as if the non-Jew is doing it for his own good. He wants to get a higher price for the rental. So if he gives it to him already ploughed, then he'll get more money, and therefore really is ploughing it for his own good, so it will be permitted for the Jew to cause this. Avalumi Yisrael, you're not allowed to rent a field from a Jew if that Jew ploughed it during Shemitah illegally, because then you're really benefiting from an Aveira done by a Jew. And the Mishnah continues a related topic, one is allowed to encourage non-Jews in their work during Shemitah, even if they're doing something which is forbidden for a Jew to do during Shemitah, you could still encourage the non-Jew, there's no reason why you can't. But you would not be able to encourage a Jew who's doing forbidden work during Shemitah, because that would be encouraging him to do an Aveira. And the Mishnah ends off, the Shalim Bishloiman, one is allowed to greet non-Jews, and the Chiddush of the Mishnah is that even on a religious festival of non-Jews, one is also allowed to greet them because of the ways of peace, in order to maintain a peaceful society, one would be able to greet and ask of the welfare of non-Jews. Mishnah Dalit, the next form of work which the Mishnah is going to discuss is Hamido, and Mido refers to the form of work where somebody has in his field, let's say, lots of trees packed together and they're growing very close to each other, so much so that there isn't enough nutrients and nourishment going to each tree individually, because there are so many that each tree is stealing nutrients from the other trees, so that none of the trees can now grow properly. So Mado is when they would uproot a couple of trees, and the same would apply if there were lots of plants planted together, if he uproots a few plants, in order to allow the remaining plants in the ground to grow properly. Now according to the strict letter of the law, this is not improving the trees, Rather, it's preventing harm. It's preventing damage to the trees, and therefore it should be permitted during Shemitah. However, because it looks like he's preparing the ground to be planted, you know, if he's uprooting trees, he's got to dig up the roots, there's Maris Ha'ayin, there's the appearance of an Avera, of doing proper work in the field and preparing to plant that field, and therefore the mission tells us that Hamidol Bazisim, one who does this form of midel with olive trees, and that's just an example which the Mishnah gives, the same would apply to other trees, you can only chop the tree, 
but you have to keep the stump there. You cannot actually uproot the roots because that involves digging, which makes the appearance of working the field properly and preparing it to be planted. However, Vesilo and Vesilo say we're not worried about that. We're not worried that people might think that he's preparing the ground to be planted. If he's only uprooting a couple of trees there, so people won't really think that, and therefore Yashoresh, according to Vesilo, he can actually uproot the trees totally. Now, Basil only say this if there are only a couple of trees which he's uprooting. But Umaydin, Basil agree, but Machlik, in a case where he uproots lots of them in one go, if he clears a large space by uprooting lots of trees which are next to each other, then Achayogaim, he can only do it up to the point of chopping it to the stump, but he would not be allowed to uproot the roots. And the mission defines now Ezehu Amaydel, what is considered Maydel, meaning what is considered only a few trees such that this hill would allow you to uproot it totally. That's only if Echadoshnayim. If there are one or two trees next to each other, so then this hill will say you can uproot it totally. On the other hand, Hamachlik, what is considered clearing a large area, that would be Shalosho Zebitzadzeh, three trees one next to the other, and in that case this hill would agree that you cannot uproot them totally. Now you can uproot lots of trees as long as they're not next to each other. The point of Beis Hillel is to say that if there are three trees next to each other which you're uprooting, then you can only uproot it and chop it up to the stump. And the Mishnah ends off with something which we've seen a couple of times already in the Masechta, and that is, When are these words said? Only if he's uprooting the trees from his own property, from his own field. But if he is uprooting or chopping down trees from his own, from his friend's field, then Even somebody who is clearing a large area, can uproot the trees totally, both according to his hill and even according to his Shammai, for the simple reason that if he's doing it in somebody else's field, then it does not give the appearance that he is preparing it to be planted. Because it's very uncommon for somebody to prepare somebody else's field for planting, and therefore there is no Marius Iron involved.